Welcome to season three of Sadie's Divorced and Happy Podcast, where I talk about life after divorce with a playful, fresh, out-of-the-box perspective. Every episode includes burning questions, spicy conversations, and tips to happiness. Are you ready to turn your setback into a comeback? Then join me on today's episode. It's time to get started on your new beginning. I am extra excited that you are joining in on this conversation today. Okay, if you've been listening to Sadie's Divorced and Happy Podcast for a while now, you know how I love my out-of-the-box life-after-divorce topics, and this episode is one of those. Okay, I have a burning question for you. Since your divorce, have you found yourself thinking that maybe monogamy isn't for you? Possibly? I don't know, maybe. Well, since my divorce, which was four years ago, I have practiced ethical non-monogamy, which basically means I date more than one person at a time and I'm very transparent about it. And I have had a lot of curiosity around open relationships. I mean, they sound so good in theory, but how do they really work? Well, today's guests, Intimacy Guides, Andre Lazarus and Susanna Rose discuss making the commitment to opening their relationship after they had only experienced monogamous relationships in the past. And they soon discovered that their polyamorous lifestyle led to a deeper connection and more intimacy in their relationship than they could have ever imagined. I know that just sounds amazing, right? Well, today they're going to share with you the ground rules that they abide by, how to find like-minded people and vet them, what the key to any successful non-traditional relationship is, and so much more. I know, I'm excited for this conversation today. Are you excited too? I know, this is exciting. Well, before we deep dive into the benefits and challenges of open relationships, let's start this extra spicy conversation with some burning questions burning questions let's turn up the heat for 60 seconds oh we're already giggling over here it's gonna be a fun chat i am excited to turn up the heat today with my two delicious Mm. guests andre lazarus and susanna rose thank you so much for being part of this delicious episode about open relationships. But first of all, I know that you're intimacy guides and I'm going to guide you through some burning questions. Are you ready over there? Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. We are ready. All right. 60 (laughs) seconds is on the clock and these questions have been tailored just for you. First question. What's your favorite date night activity? I'd say sweatpants, popcorn, and how to lose a guy in 10 days in my living room. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go that but cuddling her butt during that. <laughs> On a scale from one to 10, how much do you prefer open relationships from monogamous ones? Nine. 11. Who's more free-spirited in the relationship? It depends on the, the thing. Like, it depends on the subject. I'm going to say me. You. Okay. <laughs> what, is something, what is something people assume about open relationships that just is not true? There's no jealousy. That you want to sleep with everyone that you meet. True or false? People in open relationships can't have kids. False. Hard false. Would you rather date independently outside of the relationship or bring a third into the relationship? Third. Third. But, you know, both. (laughs) Both. (laughs) What's the spiciest quality about the other person? His booty. Honestly, her mind. I love her mind. Finish this sentence. Being in an open relationship makes me feel yummy, aroused, 
What is something you're open to now that you weren't before divorce? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna raise you also uh, experimenting with men. All the things we're gonna talk about. All the things on this episode, <laughs> listener. Are you leaning in or what? Because I know I am. I am so excited to have this delicious conversation with this couple. Combined, sixteen years of consensual non-monogamy. Mm, you know how I'm a big fan of that. It's going to be so fun, and I know I'm gonna learn a lot. So before I ask some of my spicier questions, I want to hear a little bit more about your unique love story because you met when you were deployed. And where yeah. were you again when you were deployed when you met? Let's start with that, the love story. I love our story. It's so powerful. We were, um, both Andre and I were Marine officers and we were deployed in what I call the most romantic country on earth, Afghanistan. <laughs> and we were actually both not supposed to be in that unit at that time. So the universe totally conspired for us to be there at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we fell very deeply in love. Even while we were married to other people, we actually com- we actually connected over how much we loved our partners. And how long you, after had that, you been married at that time in your life to the other partners? Oh, yeah. too? I'm just yeah, curious. I, I had been married um, almost five years, but together for about 10 years. Okay. How about mm-hmm. you, Susanna? I was married for three years and we were together for six years by that point. Okay. So you yeah. were, okay. So yeah. to establish that, so you had the mm-hmm. connection that you missed your partners back home. That's what very much okay. Pen- missed them, loved them, like gushed over them, but also mm-hmm. found that we were like falling for each other. And we didn't feel any like shame or guilt around that. We're like, we were both like, why can't we also love each other? I mean, there's yeah. plenty of love in this world to go around. And I think that's, that's where our journey started. Burning questions, Andre. Why can't <laughs> we? We're going to dig into that today. So we'll Susanna and Andre, so you had this love story that you weren't anticipating no, in the heart of Afghanistan. And thank you for your service to our country, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, not at all. Uh, not In no way did I even think about that. We were both working 12 to 18 hour days, seven days a week, um, you know, in a, in a war zone. Uh, I like to say we were forged in fire. And mm-hmm. with all of these different life occurrences, the last thing I wanted to do was like get really connected with someone because in a way that's just one more thing to add to the never ending plate. But um, if you could see what I saw when I when I met her, uh, it was kind of I was a lost cause. It was just going to it was going to happen. <laughs> it was inevitable. There was one moment I remember specifically, Sadie, when we hugged for the first time and it felt like I was being plugged into a socket. It was Mm. the most powerful chemistry I'd ever experienced. It was unavoidable. Unforgettable, (laughs) unavoidable. So then you went, you both went home back to the States. Mm. And then I know that's not our focus today, but I just, I know the listener would love to know. And I'm curious too. No, it's important. It is very important to the setup of how you story Mm -hmm. that we're going to talk about today. How, how, what happened with your partner's at that time then when you got back to the States? I'll let Susanna go, but I was still in Afghanistan when she returned. So I was there for a year while she was there for about six months. Yeah. My partner had already started like sending emails while I was away talking about how he didn't like our life together. And I could feel things kind of falling apart separately from my connection with Andre. And so when I got back, it was, um, he literally 
served me divorce papers. I was like away for a weekend and I came back and he'd moved out of the house. And so it was a really intense like breaking of the whole life that I knew. And Andre, you heard about that right away or when did you Um, find out about that? I I found out about it sometime, like not right away, uh, just because how communication goes out in Afghanistan. And I, you know, definitely had a heavy heart for both of them and their and what they were dealing with. And I still was very much in my relationship with my partner, with my wife at the time. I came back and I realized I was also dealing with, uh, you know, some mild PTSD from being deployed. And uh, PTSD is a very real thing. And it's Absolutely. a very real challenge that people do face. And my partner or wanted to start a family, get, drop right into the house with a white picket fence and move to closer to her family. And I was not in that space. And I brought up with her that I'm not sure if I want to go into that type of relationship. And would I be enough for her if we didn't have children? And she said she didn't think so. So that was a super hard thing for me to take in the middle of all this other chaos coming back into the, the U.S. And that's where our relationship began to transition. And then what brought the two of you back together? Fate again. <laughs> really? Like, it, it's so funny. Like, fate. Um, Susanna was actually supposed to go to China to be part of this um, international master's program. Very high profile, very high level. She ended up becoming an alternate. And at the time, while she was in San Diego, when this was happening, I was up in San Francisco and getting um, settled into my new life there out of the military. And she got a job opportunity to work at Facebook. And that brought her up to San Francisco. So it's really the universe has been conspiring. She <laughs> likes a thing for many lifetimes before this Um for us to finally become one in this uh, union, in this partnership. So our our relationship really took off um, when we were in San Francisco. So I'm going to fast forward. So you're you're reunited, everything lined up. What brought you to decide? Ooh, big smiles on their faces, listener. (laughs) What brought you to decide to have an open relationship? Well, I think we you know, falling in love with another person while we were married opened us up initially to the idea that we could love or at least be connected to other people while being in a partnership. And so from the very start, like literally the very moment we were together and connected, we felt um, like we didn't want to be just us. So we had started to explore thirds, like with, with women and having threesomes and it Which sort are very of spiral, by the way, but <laughs> so I've already They're done so that fun. episode. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. so you, you were experimenting, you had curiosity, mm-hmm. you had great comfort with each other. You had a lot of trust. Obviously you were in a war zone together. You had each yeah. other's backs. So you had that great history, friendship. So you, you were exploring. And then when did you decide that, okay, this really resonates from the very beginning, very beginning, from the very beginning, we just both realized that what we had as far as the traditional societal structure of what a relationship looked like, marriage, children, that traditional monogamous dynamic was not something that was going to really fulfill us together. There were obviously questions that came up during that as we started to explore because we both came from a background of only knowing monogamy, but realizing this was a point in our lives where we could change, where we could reinvent ourselves 
and take action on that. I would say really quickly that I was not as like keen to immediately jump into the open lifestyle in more like a polyamorous way. I was open to threesomes, but my style and everything I knew about relationships was monogamous. My parents, my grandparents, like generations like most people. back. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So conditioned exactly. into us. So I was very conditioned into monogamy and I and I wanted that with him to some extent, but was a little more open to like, okay, let's explore threesomes. And he was like Let's be fully polyamorous. <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's go into this like the wild west. And you know what? Uh-huh. It's funny you say that. Say that most people feel that way. It's so interesting. In the if you do the research, if you look at the history of people in the world in relationship dynamics, that we've only been doing monogamy in the way that you know traditionally we know monogamy for maybe 250, 300 years, which is nothing which is nothing on the blip of what is thousands, thousands of years of civilization of the way that humans connect. So the fact that this is now like the standard, I I love to tell people, go research and see what's been more prevalent in our history. Has it been monogamy or has it been something else, something alternative? And when we have a divorce, what, what what I feel so grateful for is that it gives you an opportunity to reflect like you both did Mm. and decide what do I, what do I really want now? How do I want to love? How do I want to connect? And clearly there's a lot of curiosity about open relationships because you have a business, you coach people. I found you on Instagram. I Mm -hmm. immediately said, Oh, I want to meet this couple. I have to talk to them. And I, I want to learn today, and I'm sure the listener wants to learn too, how do you coach that out of people, Andre mm. and Susanna? How do you help people become less monogamous? Because when you look at, and, and I have a lot of dear friends that are traditional dating coaches, the focus is on a monogamous relationship, and I think they do great work, but I love to give my listeners other options. Yeah, and yeah, totally. And how, how do you guide people to consider different ways to be intimate that they're just so not comfortable with and and to navigate that and to to really, because I think it's so individually based, right? You have your own rules as a couple. You can share that too, if you wish. Yeah. I know a lot of people would be curious, like, what are their rules? So can you, can you kind of answer those, that twofold question that I've just posed? Yeah. I'd love, do you want to go first? Yeah. I'd say to start is that a lot of the people that do come to us are already in some way, monogamy is not fully serving them. Right. So, um, most of the time, we're not having to necessarily convince or persuade someone to open their mind is naturally coming to it because monogamy is not working. And we're seeing it over and over and over again in society that, I mean, you have entire cultures where it's okay to have a mistress. It's just not talked about um, or a mister, right? A lover in some way. And a so, mister. ooh, delicious. I'm a mister. I need me a, a mister. mister over here in Minnesota, Susanna. We'll talk about that after the episode. We will find you. We will. Oh. I will gladly help you with that. Okay. Um. So the so I would say there's that, and then the other thing that I share with anybody, especially people who have doubts around open relationships, is that I don't see monogamy and non-monogamy as two completely different systems. I see it as just boundaries, right? So where are your boundaries? And are you interested in 
in, in being curious and, and adventuring or exploring, we call it exploring, um, all of the potential boundaries that are out there. And a lot of people are, so that's where, that's where I kind of come in. Yeah. And to piggyback on that is that we also look at why that particular person or that particular couple is having some challenges or struggles in their current dynamic. And if we're speaking on monogamy and what is not serving them and talking through. So we don't, we're not trying to influence. We're not trying to encourage people to break away from a monogamous relationship if it's actually working for them and they're enjoying it. But if it's not, then just trying to make it work and suffering through what is not your purpose, not your your fire, not bringing up the desire and the curiosity, as you said, that you're looking for, then we present other alternatives. We present possibility. And to your question about like, what our dynamic is, um, we're in an open relationship. We consider ourselves consensually non-monogamous and we are always exploring different dynamics within that open relationship. So we recently actually, for a month, we closed our relationship, focused on each other. And this month we're exploring separately where we get to engage with people, um, not together, but most of the time we're exploring together, meeting singles, meeting couples, and just really growing our community around the world of people who are interested in unfollowing um, the the way that they normally do things in life. Well, I have the biggest smile over here and this all lights me up, but here, okay. So Andre <laughs> and Susanna. So I have been practicing since my divorce, ethical non-monogamy, which is similar, I guess, to consensual. Everybody's ethical. It's consensual. Yep. It's not a big secret. Yep. And here's the challenge I have found. And I want your thoughts on this. I have found, and I'm going to own that I've been on my own journey right? And my own healing and discovery and learning about myself and how I'm not as emotionally available as I thought I was. <laughs> Shocking. So, you know, like attracts like, mm-hmm. I believe. So I've learned that, you know, I probably have attracted some mostly unavailable people because I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm working on that and working on what I need and my boundaries. So that's very exciting. But does this lifestyle attract people who aren't doing their work like I am who aren't emotionally available, who are more, let's say, dismissive avoidance. Perhaps their attachment style is not wanting a lot of closeness. So if I'm polyamorous and I have three partners, I'm not going to maybe be as close to them as I would one partner. That's kind of been my experience. But again, I have to own my own piece in that, right? So it's not, I'm no no victim to my experiences. I choose them. But I'm just also curious because it attracted me. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I've learned mm-hmm. that, ooh, I'm not as emotionally available. So is that why this attracts me? You know, it's really making me think mm-hmm. about that. And and yeah. like, like, am I attracted to, to polyamory because I'm not an emotionally available person? I need to work that's on this. Great. I love this. But yeah, that's, a, that's, a, like, that's a great, great question. I'm in the question. hot seat for, for the listener and for you. So I'd love to hear no, your No, I, pr- I appreciate you putting yourself on the hot seat. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll go with this one first, which is if you are looking at any form of open dynamic to include polyamory as a way to um, avoid commitment or feel like you're going to like now find ways to get what you like, have your cake and eat it too. I would say it sure sounds that way to a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah. I would say be prepared because now what you're doing is if anything, possibly opening yourself up to multiple people and opening up those emotions to multiple ways. So polyamory, open relationships. 
I encourage people not to use it as an escape because what it's going to do is just bring your the issues you were having in monogamy over into your open relationship. I um I so resonate with this experience because um at the beginning of our relationship I would I would say Andre was a a bit more avoidant. What do you what do you oh, think Andre? Hugely avoidant. <laughs> Huge. I am. That's why you? I'm putting myself on the hot seat. Yeah. It's a hot seat kind so, of episode. Yeah. Yes. And, and I am definitely of the anxious type, more of the like, get over here. And I would say that depending upon the relationship, we can be either, right? I, I don't necessarily label somebody. Right. We ebb and flow and we can also be secure. Totally. And yeah, of course. Yes. Totally. Totally. So I do believe that you're, you're not wrong. I don't, I, I, I believe that there is a, a tendency sometimes to believe that polyamory can be an escape or like a bandaid. And we've seen also in relationships where the couple is, is exploring in polyamorous ways. And really they're trying to, they're avoiding their, their relationship challenges. And that's when it doesn't work. That's when it starts to fall apart because it's actually not about polyamory. It's about communication and about trust and about connection. So we recommend it as like, if you are in a place of abundance in yourself or in your relationship, that's when to explore this. Um, because your shadows are going to come up, right? Right. (laughs) They're going to come up. Yeah. And I'd also say is like looking in the right places for people who know what they're doing to Mm -hmm. some extent. Right. So if we're looking on Tinder for it, that might not be as easy. (laughs) So I just, that is such a perfect segue. You must be reading my Uh show notes over here. That's my next question actually is the vetting process, because I am using traditional dating apps like Bumble and Hinge. And I don't do Tinder anymore, but those days are done. But anyway, it was fun while it lasted. But, you know, clearly there's some explaining to do when I'm writing ethical non-monogamy and poly on those apps. But, you know, when it comes to vetting, what do you recommend? So first, any any app you can use and we're ta- we'll, we'll stay just on apps right now, but any app you can use to locate the dynamic that you're looking for. Like you said, in your bio, you put exactly who you are. Like I am an individual who's seeking a committed partnership, but who might be open to an open dynamic maybe after we connect, or I'm looking to start a polyamorous relationship right away with someone, or I'm just looking to explore all of these things you can do on any app. There are some apps, um, actually, OkCupid can actually, you can put that you are non-monogamous and that will help in your matching percentage, put you with other people who are also non-monogamous looking for non-monogamy and then outside of dating apps, but actually, you know, meeting in person prior to all of this, there are a lot of great social connection. You can, there's a bunch of Facebook groups that you can do. There's a great one called poly life that you can get added to. I think it's 30,000 plus people. Um, you can use uh, meetup.com and find different get togethers where there's a group in Chicago I join sometimes and ask amazing yeah perfect and newbie questions they're so nice no and that's great and it's it's doing your research it's doing your research but also being very as Susanna said being very upfront 
and confident in what you want. If you want to be in an open relationship, don't say I'm looking for monogamy, get paired with someone and then drop the open relationship bomb on them three months in to be like, oh, by the way, this is what I want. Generally doesn't always work out the way that you would expect, but you can in those initial stages of getting to know someone on these apps, meeting in person to say, hey, I'm really looking for a committed partnership, but I'm really interested in opening up this dynamic at some point. Is that something you would be open to? You've now started that conversation early. It's like saying, oh, I don't think I want kids in the beginning of a relationship. You then get married and then- Right, exactly. Expectation setting is is such a huge part. So vetting really comes down to the communication and being honest and understanding that not every connection you make is going to work out. And that's perfectly okay because if a connection doesn't work, that just opens a door for a future connection. If all of the connections that I had made before I met Susanna worked out in the way that I thought they were, we might have never met. And I've I'm the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. So Susanna, relationships in general, especially with men, right? Take some work. Oh, I had to slip that in there, Andre. You know, you know, relationships take some work. And I want to hear from you though, when it comes to the benefits and the challenges, but the benefits of having an open relationship, how does mm-hmm. the work pay off? Like what are the benefits that you're experiencing mm. that you weren't experiencing in a traditional marriage? Mm. Mm. <laughs> so many One benefits. I would I am by nature an adventurer and an explorer. I'm a bit of a risk taker. Both of us were Marines, right? We are comfortable in the uncomfortable a bit. So for me, exploring and getting curious about something brand new, I get to explore a huge range of things in this relationship that I absolutely could not, or in my monogamous relationship, I would explore some of them not necessarily in the like fully in like cheating, but I would explore some things and then not share it with my partner, um, not share it with my husband. And I think that a benefit of that now is that I get to share everything that I'm exploring and I'm experiencing with Andre. And there's like support and love. Um, another thing that I I just really love is that although at the beginning there's going to be some shadows that come up what we get to do in this type of relationship is actually get to the root cause of things. So our relationship is so much stronger, so much more accepting of all that we are, that we know the nooks and crannies of each other, (laughs) both light and shadow and, and bad and good. We know almost everything there is to know about each other. And we're always learning, of course. But that ability to really know your partner on those levels and to be in sometimes uncomfortable situations, but know that you, you've got each other's backs. To me, that's like the root cause healing that a lot of our relationships are missing because we're just avoiding it altogether. So those I, are my favorite some, parts. Something that came up as she was sharing though, Sadie, like great example of your question was last night, Susanna went out on a date and she got to go out and flirt and 
let herself just be her in her in her power she had a great time she got to even like experience a little intimate connection with this individual and she got to come home to me waiting for her asking how her date was just ready to celebrate the crap out of her and in what general traditional monogamous relationship are you really able to do that if you have that desire, if you have that desire to see someone and find them attractive and want to get them, want to get to know them better and be supportive by your partner to say, yeah, they're sexy as hell. Go talk to them, go enjoy yourself and then come back to me and we'll talk about it later. So many possibilities, as Susanna said. And I think that comment of come back to me. So you have that mm-hmm. foundation. And I loved how you said earlier in the episode, Susanna, how you have that abundance so that when you have the abundance in the relationship, and with self and you're in that best place, then you have that comfort and that trust to be curious. I think that's a huge piece that I'm going to take away from this conversation. I have a couple more questions, but one I have to ask, how do you handle jealousy? I'll take that one. (laughs) Um, Actually on my date last night, the the person asked me, they were like, so you don't experience jealousy? And I was like, oh, honey, I am the queen of jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> jealousy is a real emotion that comes up and it's almost celebrated in our culture to some extent. Like if you watch rom-coms, you see people kind of becoming jealous of someone. And then it's almost like a, an ownership thing of like, oh yeah, I want him to be jealous of me because that means he loves me or she, that means she she loves me. And to me, that's like a, it's a very codependent type of attitude. So the way I manage it, which is, which is the way I describe it, it's not really handling it. It's not really not experiencing it. It's managing it. It's feeling the jealousy fully in my body, knowing that it's mine and also identifying like, okay, is, is there something in the relationship that's feeling unsafe to me? And I, and actually talking to my partner, like talking through it, Hey, is there some piece of our boundaries that actually doesn't feel good? And, and then when we identify what in the partnership could shift, then I have to go inward and be like, okay, Susanna, what are you afraid of? What are, what are you actually fearing in this relationship? And then it's causing this sense of jealousy. So that has been life-changing for me because even in my parents' relationship, jealousy was very normalized. I realized that a lot of it has to do with anger, like pent-up anger, um, and also a fear of abandonment. And I have, like most of us, have a very strong fear of abandonment. And the more I've healed my fear of abandonment, the more the jealousy can, um, can dissipate and the closer I can actually love my partner. And I would say one more thing, which is jealousy can also be played with in a sexual way. It can Mm. actually be very erotic. So we were at a party one time and I was watching Andre be intimate with one of our friends. And this guy was sitting next to me and he knew that I get jealous sometimes. And he started to whisper in my ear and he was like, what do you think about him? Like doing that to her and had this like this whole narrative around like kind of working me up to get me jealous, but also do it in a really sexy way. 
So I want to encourage people that jealousy doesn't have to always be such a cringy, awful feeling that we can play with it. And we can, if you feel safe enough, you can make it erotic. Erotic. That is a delicious uh, segue to my (laughs) next question. I know we could talk for an hour. I know that one way that I came back to myself, this, uh, the theme for season three is the comeback, because I think Mm -hmm. after divorce, we have this opportunity to come back to ourselves in ways that we've missed or Mm -hmm. coming back actually meaning, wow, I'm learning this about myself and I feel even more empowered. And so for me, my sexuality has really been empowering and learning about my sexuality. So I have to ask both of you, and then I want to hear more about how the listener can find you and all of that. But Andre, what, what for you, what is your comeback after divorce? How have you yeah. come back to yourself? I think I can look in the mirror and say unequivocally that I am living the life that I choose and not the life that has been chosen for me. And in my marriage, I felt I was living someone else's life. So my comeback really is the reinvention of Andre, of who I am, my power, my sexual power, and sharing it. That's the thing is not depending on one person or multiple people, but depending on myself. That that is the thing is that reinventing myself and having the confidence to say what feels good for me rather than what feels good for the overall relationship. Because when I'm able to serve myself, I can then show up with so much power and authenticity for my partner. How about you, Susanna? That was really sweet, Andre. And I love that. Mine is really about experiencing the deepest connection and intimacy I have ever been able to experience because I've been able to show my partner all of me or at least all that I know in this moment. And I think there is also a piece because I'm an achiever and I like to make my parents proud (laughs) and my parents have been married since I was born and they're like, their love story is very beautiful, but finding my own kind of love and relationship that looks really different from what my parents or what other people who inspire me are doing and what they look like. So it's totally ours. Like it's our love. And it's, and it's specific and tailored for us. And that is priceless. Well, listener, if you want to explore your love story in a different way, you need to find this incredible couple. And how can a listener do that? Yeah, a couple of ways. So I have a Instagram account coming closer with Andre. And you'll find content uh, with Suzanne and I basically talking about the beautiful aspects of open relationships, as well as the challenges and some exercises that we do to really help bring us back together when we're having, you know, some difficult moments. But ultimately, we recently just launched an online course called Open to More, How to Navigate Consensual Non-Monogamy. And this uh, is a labor of love This is eight years of our work together, showing you how you can open up your relationship in a healthy, safe way. And even if you are already in an open relationship, you now can learn really beautiful exercises to be even more communicative, more connected to your partner. I'm so proud of it. We've had so many people already say how it's impacted their lives. And I just want more people to be able to find that dynamic that really works for them. So um, Instagram, uh, reach out to us, sign up for our course. And um, 
what do you think, Susanna? Anything else that they need to know about? Yeah, Instagram is coming closer with Andre, and mm-hmm. um, and the link will be uh, in this in the information for this podcast. But just the only thing I would encourage people is to is to do you, do what feels really authentic to you, and the more authentic you can be with your voice, um, the more you will attract exactly what you need and deserve. Love your love story. Thank you so much for being part of this conversation, for being open and authentic and just so powerful and delicious. You're both so delicious. So thank you again. Delicious (laughs) all around. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, that was extra scrumptious with the cherry on top. How are you feeling over there? Are you feeling a little curious, ready to open your heart to something deliciously different? Maybe. Well, DM me after this episode and we will talk. Okay. Are you loving season three of Sadie's Divorced and Happy or what? Well, if you are, I would love for you to rate and review the podcast and then share these inspiring episodes with all of your pals, whether they're divorced or single or married. I think everyone can get something out of these incredible comeback conversations. Well, Andre and Susanna's movie-worthy tale of love that conquered time, distance, and traditional conventions has officially inspired me to share this week's comeback tip with you. Sadie's tips to happiness. On the road to your comeback, I want to know, have you run into that infamous green-eyed monster? Susanna talked about jealousy in the episode today, and she's not the only one who deals with jealousy. I mean, that's a real human experience. And I want to know, have you felt jealous of your ex-spouse's new girlfriend or of your friends and family's seemingly happy relationships? Maybe you felt jealous of the career accomplishments of a colleague. Yeah, me too. We all struggle with jealousy. And that jealousy monster is tough to slay. Am I right? I mean, it packs an emotional wallop, bringing up feelings of rage and fear and suspicion and even humiliation. But the beautiful thing about jealousy is it's telling you something important to help you with your comeback. Jealousy is really all about you. And the root of jealousy is an underlying feeling of shame. And I know that does not feel good to hear, but it's important to know because shame is what makes you compare yourself to others. And it leads to that perception that you aren't measuring up, which leads you to fear that you'll lose something that you feel is yours. Jealousy, like Susanna shared today so candidly, is also deeply tied to a fear of abandonment. To defeat the monster, embrace the monster. So I want you to take stock this week of what makes you feel interesting and special and desirable. And are you actively doing things to live up to your potential? Or is it just, you know, easier to stay jealous and stuck in your feelings of being less than? Listen, it takes courage to look within and consider who you are and what you want for yourself and what you expect from others. But I know you have that courage. So the next time that little monster starts nibbling on your psyche, question what deep issues about yourself are coming to the surface and get to work on those things. And just for the record, you've got this. And remember, it's all leading to your comeback. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode and be sure to subscribe, rate, and of course, review the podcast. And I want you to be part of this Life After Divorce community by following me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and TikTok at Sadie's Divorced and Happy. Be sure to also visit my website, divorcedandhappy.net to download Sadie's 8 Tips to Happiness. You'll also find all of my podcast episodes on my website as well. 
If you've found value in my podcast, consider being an official sponsor. Email contact at divorcedandhappy.net to learn more about this tasty opportunity. And speaking of tasty, you can also buy me a cup of coffee. It's simple. Just visit buymeacoffee backslash Sadie Marie, and you can buy me a cup or two, and I thank you for your support. I'm your host, Sadie Marie, and I look forward to seeing you next week for another round of content created to kickstart your comeback.